The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. Hello, my beautiful Broadway friends. It's me, your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, back again with another episode of my favorite podcast and yours, The Broadway Cast, with Ben Cameron on iHeartRadio Broadway. Get ready. If you are an actor, uh, this episode is for you. We are demystifying some of the most elusive and cagey creatures in the world. I'm talking about Broadway casting directors. The name... Strikes fear into the hearts of so many actors. They've become these godlike, mysterious creatures. Well, we're going to take away some of that mystery and uh, get to know what they really do behind that table. Um, we've gathered together two of the most prominent and incredible casting directors in New York City from uh, Stuart Whitley casting, Benton Whitley, who was cast. Hades Town, The Lightning Thief, Rock of Ages, Great Comet of 1812, Chicago Elf. It goes on and on. And from Tara Rubin casting, she literally wrote the book on casting. Uh, Mary Sugarman, who started out in TV and film and is cast Ain't Too Proud, A Bronx Hale, Miss Saigon, School of Rock, Jersey Boys. They know what the real tea is. And I have to be honest with you, I was thrown for a loop more than once in this conversation learning about all of the details, all of the angles that these people are working on. As an actor, I think we get very in our heads about what these people think about us, but they have so much more to think about than what we're going through. And I hope that this will help a lot of us kind of declutter our brains about what is happening in regards to casting directors behind the table. I think you're going to be surprised in a very good way. And they're also just an awful lot of fun to talk about. So before we get into that conversation and the demystifying actually begins, want to remind you to subscribe to the show, rate and review us, share us with your friends, follow us on social media. We made it easy at the Broadway cast. Follow me at Ben Does Broadway. Also, if you want to support us further, you can become a Patreon supporter and we'll make exclusive behind the scenes content just for you. 
only you and no one else. So you can click the link in the liner notes and be a supporter on Patreon. We sure would appreciate that. All right, let's get into the minds of the people who bring them all together. And by all, I mean directors, choreographers, composers, actors. Get them all in the same room and watch the magic happen. And it's not the magic you think. All right, casting directors, let's go on with the show. And here we are, my friend, in studio with those phantoms, those those wraiths, those mystical beings, casting directors. They're real-life human people, uh, and I know that because they're sitting in front of me. Um, they're, these two actually are not just casting directors. They're kind of casting gods and goddesses, to be honest. Uh, Mary Sugarman is here with us. Hi, Mary. And hi. Let's do it. Let's just say the name exactly the way we should be saying the name. <laughs> Mar- Mary. Yeah, you Mary. got it. That's right. Yeah. Perfect. I did it. Okay, great. You not sure Mary. Did. Yeah. Not now Mary, I'm... not Mary. 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 Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's just, I feel like it's a take it easy on it. Um, And ben- Benton Whitley. That's right. You got it right. Yeah. The um, T is silent. Benton. Okay. How I know, did... but I have to say Benton to people. Otherwise, you think I say Ben and Mumble. So, but in real life, it's a family last name and my family pronounces it Benton. With a really thick southern Bean. accent. That's right. I know a lot of people who talk that way anyway, who just want to swallow, swallow. I Sometimes people think, because I, I think I have pretty good diction, and I think sometimes people have asked me, oh, where, where's your accent from? I'm from Utah. There's no accent, but I guess I just like my consonants. Benton. <laughs> Benton. That's relaxed. It's comfy. Yeah. No, I, I like it. It just, uh, you know, it's a hard name to say, like, in a loud bar, you know? Like, yeah. What did you say? Ben. <laughs> Never just mind. call me Ben. Fine. Yeah, just call yeah. me B. Right. Uh, Marion Benton, Benton. Oh, it's going to take me all through this episode to get that down. Uh, how often do your paths intersect in the industry? I know you guys are incredibly busy people. I know this. Trying to get three artists of any kind together in a schedule is really difficult. It was particularly challenging uh, to get casting directors together. So wow, that's so strange. Are, I'm so surprised by that. Ben. You're yeah. not at all. It's interesting because... Because people ask me this a lot. We don't, our paths don't cross very much. They cross at events or on panels or during Q&As and stuff. But we don't really cross paths as far as like, I mean, sometimes socially and usually like for, for business things, but on a daily basis, we're kind of in our own corners. Yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's a silo world, the world of casting for sure. Um, well, because, you know, no no show wants two different casting directors working on the project. That's too many cooks in the kitchen. So. Oh, my God. Well, <laughs> there's, then, there's only one of us at a time, thank God. Th- thank God. Otherwise, yeah. we'll never get to the bottom of it. Eat, unwrap each riddle and each mystery. I will say, though, when we need help. Like hmm. we we do like call each other and say like hey I know you have so and so in Hades Town what's his contract like and are you seeing people for blah 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 or sometimes it's like I saw this amazing person I feel like you should know about him but for the most part we stay in our own in our own lanes I, but I've gotten great help from many casting directors when I've needed some info. Or, oh, for sure. And especially in this day and age when we are looking for all kinds of unique humans, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we we need uh, all of the expertise and point of view that we can get. And so if we feel like there's another casting office that might have some intel, 
then yeah, that's why we're all nice to each other. Oh, Leave with kindness. Yeah, Already demystifying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, that that really hardens me um, as a former actor to hear like, oh, you've got to know. I just saw this person, and I know you're working on this project. Oh yeah, I mean that's the thing I think all that, the time that actors actually it. often think that we only have blinders on and are thinking of just one one fire at a time to put out. Which yes, there often is just one fire in front of us that's super immediate needs our immediate attention, but. Our brains are filing away people into all different kinds of files in our head of future shows that don't exist, of shows that already do exist. And and that is that's frankly what when I meet another person who works in casting, I mean, that's where you're really worth your weight in gold. It's just your ability to be able to see all of the versatility that an actor can bring and a multitude of projects they could be right for. Also, I feel like the bandwidth you have to have uh, uh, to kind of catalog and remember the sheer volume of actors and performers that you know offhand and can. And that's can... what we have computer software for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Thank God, and that all changed just in the in the fifteen years that I now have kind of been in the casting world in New York. I have seen such a huge change from analog to digital in terms of just how files of actors are kept. I mean. When I first interned at an office in 2007, the walls were lined with filing cabinets. Just, oh, I mean, yeah. lined from floor to ceiling with headshots and resumes and session sheets from the previous, you know, decade of auditions. And when I first started my office 11 years ago, I started that way, but very quickly realized this was crazy. And also, I was never going to be able to afford the square footage to store all of these things, fingers crossed. And so, I switched everything over to digital where we just started scanning everything and then frankly shredding everything at the end of the week because why? Why do Impossible. we need a hard hard copy of anything anymore? Right. And I also think that when you talk about bandwidth, I do think that there are a lot of actors, you know, since we're talking about demystifying, mm. I think people think we kind of like sprung to life behind a table, <laughs> you know, but it's not just we... we do a lot to prepare for the auditions that's not strictly about finding the right people to bring in an audition, right? We're yeah. thinking about our rooms and we're thinking about our team schedules and we're thinking about our readers. And if it's a musical, we're thinking about accompanists. And we're working on all of those aspects of the audition process and we're doing it usually with six or seven projects at the same time. Oof. So, yeah, yeah, bandwidth is kind of like, and sometimes we're better at it than others. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, well, before we get too deep into this, I want to, we usually start out with a game and I want to do our, I, we call it our icebreaker game. And can, will you play? Will you play my sure. reindeer games? I love games, especially when they have to do with showbiz. Oh, these are showbiz oh, games. Great. To be sure. Are we on a timer? That's what I want to know. There's no timer, okay. but the, the time to, to recognize is you've got to be faster than Ben. Yeah, I don't know if that's, that's going to happen. Oh, that's But I'm going to do everything I possibly can. So because that. you were casting directors, we're going to play a game, Casting Who Done It. <laughs> I am going to name a Broadway musicale, uh -huh. and the first of you to jump in there and name as many, or at least one, I hope, members of that original cast, okay. whoever gets in there, uh -huh. gets the point. So, there are bonus points for singing from the show. Je oh, wow. And yeah. just for clarity, like obviously mm. there have been shows that have had multiple productions on Broadway. We're, you, is, like, we're doing original the, so originals. Like, all right. So with Les Mis, you only want the 80s production. You don't want... 
the two subsequent revivals. I'm glad we talked about that. Great. Absolutely Okay, because I could do all three. <laughs> I, uh, well, guess what? It's coming up, so that <laughs> so, might be a time to check out, mm-hmm. Mary, I guess. I just hey, want to point that out musical. that I was yeah, in yeah, that musical. Mary actually was However, in I was in it in, you know, the earlier part of the 20th century, um, and I'm not sure. The original London or original Broadway? See, these are the questions. Wow, we're see, gonna, these are the things casting directors we, <laughs> we are gonna we're gonna we're gonna deal strictly with the Broadway cast. Okay. All right, let's do okay. it. Okay, let's but go. But I, I might give you a bonus bonus point for Les Mis, for example, to throw Patty Lapone out there. Oh wow, for yes, the London well, cast. I don't know. We could do what, that with several shows with her. Yes. <laughs> Insert your own Patty Lapone joke here, listeners. Mm. All right, here we go. First up, I'm gonna make it easy. Phantom of the Opera. Uh, Sarah Brightman. Yeah, Michael Crawford. Mm. Um, uh, the original Raoul was uh, Michael Ball? No, it oh, wasn't. No, no, the original. Oh, man. Who was that? Uh, um, right, I would imagine what, Michael Ball has played that role. Was it Hugh Pinaro? No, he definitely did. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's somebody who actually I don't think did a ton after that. I can see It him. was Steve Barton. Steve Barton. Steve Barton. Uh, which is... Well, we're doing so well already. Who Mary. ended up playing the Phantom and You got was, one and I got one. We're good. You're doing great. We're doing okay. Yeah. We, we can sing a song from it. Uh, night, I'm sharp. <laughs> for, only for bonus points. All right. Original, The Music Man. Okay, oh. well... Uh, um, Robert Preston. Barbara Cook. Yeah. Uh, and then beyond that, gosh. I, you know what? I don't even have anything written down beyond that. You got that. Yeah. You're good. Let's. We'll move yeah. on. <laughs> Such a great show. Do you know? Do you know any of the no, others? No, I can't think who like played yeah Mrs. Peru or Winthrop. All I can or... think about is the film. Right, yeah. of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Classic. Classic. Miss Saigon. Lea Salonga, Jonathan Price. Mm. Uh, the original uh, Ellen Cher- was Ruthie Hinchel? No, she did it very shortly after it. Um, I'm trying to think of the original. Chris, I feel like I can think of like three different people, but I don't know who the original one was. On Broadway, it was Willie Falk. Yes, Willie Falk. Willie Falk. Falk. Wow. Uh, Hinton Battle also was oh, the, wait, John. the original John. Yeah, on I believe Hinton Battle won the Tony for that. He absolutely did. Yeah. One of his three. That show won three Tony Awards for Best Performance. Jonathan Price, Lace Long, and... And hit in battle. Shit. Well, and I think that's something we can talk about later Your on. Predecessors did a really great job casting that. They did, that. no doubt. Can you imagine that oh, Jonathan so cool. Price played that I role, know. though? Oh, wow. I, well, that's what Nuts. I was going to say. Okay. Well, we'll get to that because <laughs> that <laughs> things that wouldn't happen today. All right, my fair lady, my fair lady, Julie Andrews. Yeah. Uh, Ra- Rex. Rex Reed. Harrison. Rex Harrison. That's right. And I don't know who nope, played that's Freddy that's all you got to get. The, okay. Those are good. The oldie timesy ones. Ragtime. Ragtime. Oh, gosh. Audrey Mary McDonald. Uh, Audrey McDonald. Brian Stokes Mitchell. Uh, Leah Michelle. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, good one. Deep Very cut. good. Very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. Anne L. Nathan. Judy Kay. Judy Kay. Nathan. Wow. Ensemble. Oh, um... Wade Williams, also in the ensemble. I believe maybe the original Conklin. Oh, no. No, the original Conklin was. Um... I can name the revival right. because I actually that was the first show I cast. Oh, as really? a cast okay, right. assistant give, in two thousand and nine. Who were the revival? Well, yeah. if you can't, give that would three. be a problem. Darrington, uh, <laughs> Stephanie Umo, uh, oh. Christian Andre. I mean, no, excuse me, Christian Knoll. Yep, that's um, Bobby Steggert. 
Uh, yeah, really fabulous people. Incredible Amazing people. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie Gibson. Wicked. Kristen Chenoweth, Idina Menzel. <laughs> Joel Gray. Um, Everybody starts to bob their head like, uh-huh. challenge the original me. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Fierro. Uh, no. Oh, what is Michelle's last name? The original Nessa Rose. It begins with an F. It does. Oh, uh, Feder- uh, That's right. Michelle Federer. Federer. Yes. Absolutely. Um, and the original Bach. Uh, of course, Chris Fitzgerald. That's right. Yeah. And who is the original Fierro? Uh, that no, would be uh, Norbert. Norbert. Butts. Norbert. Yeah. And that's where he and Michelle Federer hooked up and they've been married ever since of course and then tay diggs did the uh the vacation stint for Uh norbert at the holidays of 2003 which is when i saw the original production of wicked my senior year of high school and Uh i thought i was gonna see norbert leah butts but i saw tay diggs Diggs instead yeah at the time he was married to adina absolutely yeah i remember it well do you i was i was in that at that point all right, so we could say Ben really? Cameron. Ben yeah. Cameron, right. so we could say Ben Cameron. Nineteen years ago now. Insane. Nineteen <sighs> years ago. All right, here we go. <sighs> We've been ready for this. Lemez. <laughs> okay. Oh. oh god. All right. I thought Mary. we did that. Did, oh, we, we just kind of so did. Terrence Mann. Yes. Um. Uh, uh, Randy Graff. Patty Lapone. Yes. Uh, Patty Lapone, sort in, of. In London. Yeah, in the yeah. London production. Uh, Colm Wilkinson. Yep. Correct. He was the original uh, Jean Valjean. Uh. The who was the original Cosette? Um, Judy Coon. Oh, it's Judy oh, Coon. Wow. Of course, Judy Coon was the original yeah. Cosette. Yeah, and who was the original Angel Ross? I can see him in front Ooh. of me. Hold on. Max von Essen did it mm. in the revival. Yeah, I cast <laughs> and should that. Do it every Those time. people I know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, oh, I can see it in front of me. M- Michael McCoy. No. Sure, original I didn't write that one down. Oh, okay. No, that you're golden. Right. All right, last one. Chorus line. Um, oh, let's gosh. see. Well, um, uh, Catherine Bobby Lapone. Uh, Bishop. Um, Bobby Lapone. Ca- okay. Um, uh, yep. Bishop. Is it Kelly? Yep. Patty Kelly Lapone, Bishop. Did you say? Bobby. Bobby Lapone. Bobby yeah. Lapone again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love um, her in chorus line. Uh, <laughs> what is her name? Because I covered her in a show a couple years later. Um, why can't I think of her? Why? Name? And why can I think of? Uh, she felt nothing. Yeah, yeah. Matthew Lopez's aunt. Yeah, um, yeah. Yes. Well, there it is. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Priscilla Lopez. Priscilla Lopez. Oh, Thank you. Jeez. Donna McKechnie. I can name, I can name the re- revival cast for you oh, again because yeah. I saw that, and that was Ooh. you know Charlotte Dembois, Nick Adams. Um, was Robin Herter in that original cast? Uh, she must have been. She sometime. wasn't. She should have been. Yeah. She. I know that she ended up playing Cassie. I think on the road or sure. possibly on Broadway that for a while. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you guys did brilliantly. See, there's we didn't the embarrass bandwidth. ourselves, yeah. right? Not yeah. even. All right. In I feel the slightest. Now. You just. We have so many Are there names any more in our tests? head now. There's no more tests. <laughs> okay. Good. Nope. Now it's all just stream of consciousness. You don't have to dig deep into the archives in your brain. The file cabinets. The aforementioned file cabinets. They don't exist anymore. <laughs> No. no, it's all just on a server. Thank yeah. God. That's so the Muppets Take Manhattan version of New York City casting offices mm-hmm. that I think of sure. with the file cabinets and the headshots all over the walls. Oh, and yeah. That's, I, that's, I remember that being when I moved to New York. That was that yeah, was. You had, probably had was. an answering service when you Oh, I absolutely did. Yeah. And a black and white I, headshot. For those of you who don't know what we're even talking about, you had an answering service because no cell phones, and every 10 blocks you would throw a quarter in a payphone and check your service to see if Broadway had called. But you also knew that if you didn't want to waste your quarter, if the answering service didn't pick up, 
for like two rings, I think you could hang up and know that you didn't have any messages. Oh my God! Wow, there's a hack. This is a pro there hack, and I Let remember that. Let me just say, that like I'm 110 years old, so that's why I remember that. I, but, but yeah. I remember that too, and you had to be quick about it. Yeah. So you didn't get. <laughs> it's like the and, collect and calls. Dude, we I think had a baby. It might have been a, a dime and not a quarter, but I'm just saying. Well, because you you would listen if it rang. You didn't have messages. It went straight to your voice when you called oh, it. Sounds then that's right. then you knew that you had a message and Broadway may have called. No, but I had one. Broadway may have called, but I had I had one where it, it was a thing where if you didn't pick if nobody picked up after two rings, you knew you could hang up and you and were, save that cash. Telling you. And do you remember when Broadway called you the first time? Do I remember? Yeah. I absolutely. Where do. were you? What was it? Oh my gosh, this is so fun. The tables have turned. <laughs> uh, I was on tour with State Fair uh-huh. with John Davidson. Sure. And uh, I was swinging that, and I was 19 years old, and I got the, I'd like snuck out against my stage manager's wishes to come back to New York to do the final callback Ooh, for Don't Footloose. tell us this. We are not hearing this. For Footloose, and I was greeted very <laughs> kindly um, by uh, Hughes and Moss, Julie Hughes and um, Barry, oh, Moss. Barry, Barry Moss, Moss, of course. Yeah. And then two weeks later, I was out on the road, and I got the call, and I jumped up and down on the bed. I was going to be in Footloose, and uh, my roommate really, really hated me. That was an incredible original cast. That was, well, that was, yeah, those are some, some really folks. great people in there. Those are some folks. It's a long, talk about a long time ago. All right, tell me, for, the, for our listeners, before we get into, there's so much goodness to get into, and I'm so excited about this. Hold if, on, just to, you know, yeah. we never actually introduced me. We literally did Mary, right? And then did we? Are you serious? Introduce Ben. I don't think we... I did because I said your name, Ben. Yeah. Oh, right. We okay. absolutely. And you're going to cut that. I just said that. Huh? <laughs> I completely forgot. Remember <laughs> what we is... discussed before we I, got I on air and after? Did, but... All right, Jane, that was crazy. Cut okay, that. Jane. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> oh, I love it. It's my favorite show of all time, mm, The Comeback. Are you very kidding high me? for me as well. All right. So let's say I'm an alien, I've just landed on your planet. And I'm like, beep, boop, bop, casting director, what does it mean? What do they do? Just give me the, I just landed, um, breakdown of what your job is. Sure. I think you have to have some context for me to be able to say this. Like the alien has to maybe have like an iPhone to understand this. But Oh, they have a spaceship. So you clearly have an iPhone. They have an iPhone. Okay, good. So they know what Google is. Okay. Uh, that's, I think that's important because I think everybody on earth now knows what Google is. And when people ask me that I know nothing about entertainment business at all, and they're like, yeah. oh, you're a casting director. What does that mean? Yeah. I say, well, you know how like Google and Facebook, they have headhunters and they scour the world for the best talent to go work at those companies and they get placed, right? I'm like, oh yeah, of course. And what that is, I do that for Broadway plays and musicals. I feel like that, that's like the easiest non artistic way to talk about what we do absolutely Mary, and that's that's agree? kind of the one she i do answer. i definitely agree i also would say that the process is about finding the people that you're watching when you buy a ticket to a show and the way that we do that is by reading the material speaking with the people who are going to direct it and produce it and choreograph it and music direct it and getting an idea for what they envision. Uh, And then I go through the files in my brain. I go through the files on my computer. Um, I explain what breakdown is. And I just say I scour 
you know, I my job is to sometimes buy things or find things that I wouldn't necessarily buy myself, but because I'm serving other people Ooh. with a vision, um, I try to stay unlimited in what I think uh, may work for a given piece. Okay, that was way more eloquent than what I said. It, uh, what it was, but yours was probably more right and understandable. <laughs> so there you go. I um, do want to come back to that because I love something that you said about that I don't think everybody fully understands, actors in particular, uh, which is that you put so much time into talking to the creative teams, reading the material, finding out what they want. Um, and I think that a misconception is that, uh, you know, these casting directors hate me, right? Mm. Or or have these opinions mm. about No, that's you that, true. Oh, absolutely. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it if is such a misconception, it, though. Totally. No, right? I mean, and it's the that it, there's not opposite. that much research and thought it's, put into the collaborative. It is absolutely what Benton just yeah, said. It's the opposite. Because mm -hmm. here's the thing like, I too mm. would like to get hired again. Yeah. Right? So there's nothing better than when I can go to my team and say, I'm so excited for this session today. I feel like there are really interesting people that you're going to enjoy. And um, I thought outside the box a little bit on this one, too. And so sometimes they go, OK, great. And sometimes they say, why did you do that? <laughs> um, but, you know, the most important thing I think for actors to know is that we're not bringing anybody to our team, certainly. This is once pre-screens are over, who we don't believe in. Otherwise, it's not good for us. It's embarrassing it for us. us it makes us look bad. That's not to say that mm. actors are have, have anything to think about except leaving a piece of themselves in the room and telling whatever story they're telling truthfully. They mm -hmm. don't have to worry about making me like look good trust me that's not you know where I'm coming from at all but I do think that um you know what actors don't realize and I don't really understand why is that like we're their best friends in the room mm -hmm. Are you uh. kidding it's the most bizarre thing when I hear an actor say you know it, let me just start by saying that we get that you're not always walking into rooms that are warm, warm. fuzzy Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a sorry, this is business and we're all working. Um, right. But more significantly, it's. It's not ever going to be about the casting director not believing in you and not wanting you to move further and not wanting you to understand the adjustments that you're being given. You know, we're like the cheerleaders because we need to get our jobs done. Right. We don't get to go home until there actually is someone hired for every track. Yeah. And so and we want you to be really good so that our job is over as soon as possible. Right. <laughs> and you can go have human person time. Yeah. It's something I say to my students, too, and I've heard it said a bunch, which is they want you to be the right person for the job. They 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 want to like you, and actors have a hard time accepting that. I, I don't think, know. It has to do with our fathers, probably. But. I think it has to do with <laughs> power. You know, I think that people sort of tend to perceive anybody who's in a position of power as potentially adversarial. Mm, um, but, sure. but, you know, I, I think you certainly find people who are a little drunk with their own power and have a little bit of, uh, you know, vision of themselves that may be a little warped. 
Um, but trust me when I tell you that my power, tell me if you think it's the same for you, Ben. My power is finding talent and putting them in a room at the beginning. It's only my room fully in pre-screens. Now, I feel mm. like I've sort of earned my right to speak to speak what I know, you know, with my teams at this point. But, you know, once there's millions of other people behind that table, it's not really fully a casting director's room anymore. And the control that we have during the beginning part of the process, um, I won't say it's minimized, but it is certainly broadened by many, many other voices. And yet throughout all of that, we are the ones in the room who continue to root for those people even as the conversations now come up about whether a person should move forward or not. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, yes, I agree with all of that, Mary. I, I think that another way to describe what a casting director does is that we're party planners. Now, that might seem a little like kind of shallow, but what I mean by that is that we are responsible for booking the venue, booking the artists, making sure that everyone's schedules align and that they can be there, that the that the guest list is filled with the people that you want to have present. And then you get all of those people in a room together, a room where they can be like productive and safe and create. And then point. you kind of have to let your babies free. Mm. But what we know that you don't know is that... I can't, with this particular director, expect him to sit for five hours in a room that doesn't have any natural light. Mm, well, I That's can't do that not going to yeah. be good for the actors. I know right. what kind of a mood he's going to get into yeah. after two hours. Oh, yeah. Wow. So we're sort of taking all of that stuff into consideration so that we're setting people up to succeed, even with the most, like, <laughs> tiny bit of minutia because it's just going to make it a little bit better for them. If I make sure that there's coffee in front of so-and-so, I know that he's going to be in a better mood. If I know that so-and-so has kids and she's worried about the fact that she has to be done by three o'clock to pick them up from school, I'm going to build an hour in yeah. in case we're running late so that nobody gets cut off or... You know, look, sometimes I can do that to a greater extent right. than other times, of course. Sure. It's the goal. It's the goal. But it doesn't always get met, unfortunately. But we really, like, we're trying to make everything happen so that the stars align and everybody's got a great situation to do their best work in, which is why when somebody says, what's your pet peeve, my answer is always about prep. Because honestly, I feel like I prep really hard for my job, and when an actor doesn't, depending on the circumstance, that's that's challenging for me. Yeah, I would imagine. You've put yeah. all this thought into it, and somebody comes in half-cocked. Um, it's really frustrating. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and especially pre-COVID, when we really were not doing any virtual auditions, and it was only in-person auditions, and there only are so many minutes and hours booked in an audition room with an accompanist and a reader and with the creative team's availability. And so those, those audition slots they are incredibly precious and you know we yeah. need we need to give as many valid options as possible because no one ever knows how the cards are going to fall and so you know when one of those you know if we only have time to show you know 15 people to the creative team i mean you know when six of them aren't prepared that really uh minimizes how many options there are to choose from mm -hmm. and so that actually is something that we get a lot of questions these days about virtual auditions and like sure. the pros and cons of them 
And I will say that someone who like was trained in the analog world and is now fully passed over to this digital world we live in, I'm a massive fan of them. Why? Because I get to meet so many more people than I ever had the ability to do when I only auditioned people in person. I mean, you know, sure. I would pre-screen, I, a, a producer would budget for me to have a pre-screen for one day. They would pay for one day of pre-screen. So in one day, I mean, how many people can we see, Mary? I mean, like, I don't know, sometimes only 40. If they're really lucky, maybe you can see like 60. Just depends on what it is you're having them do. But now... I can pre-screen a couple hundred people if I need to. I mean, I don't want to stare at a computer that long, but it has brought so many new people onto my radar and people that aren't in New York yet, which for the accessibility of all of that, that's fucking fantastic. Right. In this very same way that uh, people with concerts and events have been able to expand their audiences to not, you don't just have to be in New York to enjoy something. Um, Mary, you're about to say something. Mm, Was I? Yeah, um, <laughs> I think I think what I was going to say is I have, you know, mixed feelings about virtual auditions. Yeah. I really appreciate the pre-screening process because of exactly what Ben just said. Tell like, us exactly what that means. Is, what a pre-screen well, is? Well, yeah. So are we doing these where we can see people over Zoom in, in a real-life situation? Are we talking about people submitting videos? Typically, it's watch? a self-tape, right? So now, yeah. you know, we, we, we make drop boxes of all the material with demo tracks, with accompaniment tracks, with all the sides, super user-friendly, right in a packet. And the goal and the hope here is that the material is something that the actor can teach and prepare themselves at home put themselves down on tape and send to us. And that functions as our first look on folks and especially new folks, folks that we haven't actually hired in a show before that, you know, don't have a body of work that, that speaks for itself or met in person or met in mm. person. Frankly, I mean, I, we, so we cast the Hades town tour two years ago, 100% virtually because we were going against a timeline of trying to, get the show fully cast and the creative team's availability was very specific and we had a first rehearsal date. Everyone's just really like with a lot of optimism walking forward being like, we believe that by this date, COVID is going to be in a place where we're going to be able to start and have a first rehearsal. So we have to start casting this now. And so we made, you know, Hades Town 2.0 auditions uh, that were all super user-friendly to be done in someone's living room. And I will be really honest with you, there were a couple of those folks that I met for the first time on the first day of rehearsal. Wow. Um, and that that's something that definitely is not typically the norm in our business. I mean, Especially when you need to do dance calls and yeah. that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. But, you know, we did very much the same process with the Ain't Too Proud tour. Um, and we did huge dance calls via Zoom. We had like mm-hmm. 17 people in little squares and... You know, we had we had somebody teach it and um, we sent video of it and we had, you know, our associate and our choreographer online watching and people did it in their garages. People did it in their backyards. People did it in their, you know, basements. It was spectacular. And it it that wasn't as ideal for me as being in the room. But. Once again, it just made me go, oh, my God, actors are amazing. Oh, yeah. Like the, the, that kind of prep and that kind of passion and that kind of commitment is, I don't think a lot of people have access to that. I really don't. Yeah, and kind of to Benton's earlier point, 
the ones who have put the work in to learn this new language. Sure. Tells you everything. Tells you everything. That kind of commitment. And it's it's hard. I mean, you know. Yeah. To think in twenty eighteen that like Zoom was something that none of us had heard of. And I can it actually was on Star I, Trek only. I, I remember actually the day that I got an email from a client that said, like, do you want a Zoom? And I turned to my business partner. I was like, what do you think Zoom is? <laughs> I mean, I it think sounds it's fun. Some, some new app. Yeah. Right. And and so we we downloaded the free software and we got on this Zoom thing and we got off of it and we thought, oh, wow, this is never going to last. People aren't going to Zoom. This is so silly. Now, we'll just stick to phone calls. <laughs> <laughs> and then fast forward, teaching everyone, you know, young and old, the learning curve of learning how to actually, you know, be Zoom ready and use the software and log on and mute yourself and unmute yourself. Uh, uh, the bane of our existence. It, it still right? exists. I mean, all I, uh, even just wearing pants, really. You're, you're muted. Challenging. You're muted. Yep. You're you're still muted. That's how I start every conversation. <laughs> yeah. How how much of this by necessity, technologically, we've had to do this and have pulled off these incredible feats that you're talking about. How much of it will continue to roll over for all time? How question. much of it will we try to get rid of in the interest of getting back live in person? Um, I have a lot of opinions about this. Let's hear them. I think that there are a lot of different layers, and I'm uh -huh. going to try and keep it keep it sort of yeah. brief. Um, I don't think it's ever going away. Yeah. I think that for musicals, um, ultimately, if you can, people are going to want to be in a room with you, but it will probably not happen until the last part of the process. I think everything's going to continue to stay via Zoom because it also allows our teams to be doing more than one thing, you know, and make the time, especially when you're doing a long running show and you're constantly in auditions for replacements and that kind of thing. Um, for the uh, unfortunately uh, for equity auditions, I believe that those are going to stay um, via self tape for a very long time. But mm. that is not what I think actors would prefer, and it's certainly not what most casting directors would prefer. At least from the people that I've spoken to. But we have um, a union that in my opinion, um, has not made it easy for us to return to in-person equity auditions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, that's a very... <laughs> How is that for being <laughs> politic? Just, I, I, that was that was a really nice politically correct answer, Mary. Thank you. Um, uh, so my maybe a little less politically nice answer is that, well, definitely they're not going away. And, and I really don't think they should go away because I, I actually, something that I have asked many actors recently is, you know, do you keep a journal of your auditions? Do you have like a list of everything you've ever auditioned for? And most actors say, yes, I do. I do write them down. And so I challenge them to look back at what they auditioned for in 2019 and how many actual appointments they got to be seen for shows they wanted to be seen for and to compare that to a list of what shows they're being seen for today in 2021. Because to go back to what I was talking about earlier, we pre-screened like 60 or 80 people per project. And now, I mean, I don't, I'm not going to give away all the magic, but let's just tell you, we pre-screen a lot more people than that now. A ton yeah. more people than that. And so it is a numbers game. And the numbers have gone up for actors. And I think that if actors step back, step back and actually really think about that, they'll see. 
But I, I understand that, you know, it's a good point. The negative side of it, of course, is that you, you know, you feel like you are in isolation performing to a black void that never gets any response or validation. <laughs> you you feel certain that we're not watching it uh, and you feel like it's a huge waste of time. But if you had just come in and come in person and sung it in front of a live human being and we had ended it and just said thank you and walked out, that would have given you, you know, some larger sense of security I I think you need to trust that that we do watch them for sure, because what we said earlier as well, we are always thinking of a million different things. So if if I took the time to ask you to make to make a tape for me, that uh, that means I think that you're right, that you're in the world, that there's something that I think that you could actually get paid to do. And mm-hmm. so me and people in my office, we keep track of all of that. And when, when people audition for us and they're not right for one thing and we have a tape of it, we do have that for in perpetuity. We do have a tape that for internal professional uses, we can continue to reflect back on be like, remember, she made a tape last year for Hadestown. She really wasn't right. But now find her tape for me again. Let me watch it. She is right. Let's call her and give her an appointment. Rather Which than is great. set up an entire new audition yeah. and call her back nine I months mean, later. I mean, she's and... still going to have to probably audition. Probably so. But you know. But at least I confirmed that they were right and I remember that yes. they existed and, and, and that they were in and the world. And you can have a look for. at it. Yeah, and, and that the, is brilliant. And mm. the other thing that I would say is that on the other side of the table, for me, self-tapes have always been a bit of a problem because... Not a problem, a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. To resist but, temptation. <laughs> Thank you. But you know what? We're gay. Here's, there it is. Here's, it's all good. Um, here's the thing. It's um, For me, it has always been an issue that I go through an entire process, whether it's in person or via Zoom or starting with self-tape with an actor, and then in order to get them approved, sometimes you don't have your team in the room ever so they are judging based on one thing that you have taped that someone in your office has taped during a final callback um, or sometimes slipping just the best takes of any audition part of the process into that final tape Mm. Um, but a person doesn't get approved and I know that if the person approving had been in the room, had seen that process, had seen how much that actor grew, had gotten to know that actor as a human being, it might have been a whole different ballgame for them. Mm. Because you make decisions differently, and especially for theater, we're judging them in the wrong medium. Right. And theater is so much about exchange of energy. That's why all those final callbacks do have to be in person. That's the reason, you know, not to say... Not saying you can't do it via um, your Hades Town tour, you know, my ain't too Well, that was proud a necessity, tour. yeah. Right, you, no you did choice. what you had to do, and frankly, it worked out great, but is in-person better, ultimately? At least for the actor, I believe that it is. So I want to get to both of these points, actually. Can you give me an example of a time that you've been really excited about somebody who you went, I saw them for this, and that person probably walked away like actors do and went to Arriba Reba and drowned themselves in margaritas because Mary Sugarman hates me. <laughs> and in reality, you remembered them for another project and you found this spot. Can you yeah. give me a story that, that you remember that was kind of a cool like, aha. It's countless. It's oh countless God, it how many times like people- like five times a day. Yeah. Okay. People, I mean, because- we when we because we get the opportunity to both see people virtually and in person 
Uh, I mean, I, I the reason why I love what I do is that I do love live storytelling via song. It is my favorite. Mm. As a little boy, I was incredibly moved by the emotion and vulnerability that people were able to share viscerally live in a room. And that was something that as a little boy that came from a very kind of quiet, strong, heteronormative upbringing, I wasn't uh, able to express myself the way I wanted to outside the walls of a theater. And so I got to do that inside of a theater and it became so addictive. I got to finally express myself and frankly get get rewarded and validation for it, which was something that didn't happen outside of the four walls of a theater. So to go back to what Mary was saying earlier, I mean, there is definitely the the impact that a live performer has on you in a room is so different than the impact that a recording of a performer has. And so when we see these folks, I mean, I, I have lasting searing memories of auditions in my head from 2009 that I still think of and talk about with creative teams and producers to say, oh, I remember when they came in for the revival of Ragtime in 2009. They had just graduated from Boston Conservatory. Like, I mean, I, I, totally. I, I queen out. I mean, you can't. We can't really do our jobs without remembering when somebody was amazing, whether they booked that job or not. Um, and that's really like the biggest part of the job. I mean, honestly, it, it happened to me. It's not just like via self tape. It's not, I, I was in the third national touring company of Les Mis in the late eighties, early nineties. I think I, I was saw only two in Raleigh. I was Durham. only two. It was years wild, old at but the time. so gifted at two. You might've seen, I think, I think I might maybe okay, saw whatever. Yeah. But here's the thing. I auditioned for that show six times if I auditioned for it once. And it was Tara Rubin, who was in my EPA um, for me and my girl, mm-hmm. mm. who like, I had no business being mm. auditioning for me and my girl. It was like 40s, peop- girls in their 40s who tap. You know, I was yeah. like, <laughs> that's not me. Um, but the reason that I ultimately went back in for Les Mis was because Tara said, she went back to the office and said, I saw this girl for me and my girl today. She's not right for that, but we need to keep her in the Les Mis files. I have post-its on pictures in my Jersey Boys files that are like, not yet fully cooked, see in three years. Mm-hmm. And I write August mm-hmm. of 2024. Yeah. Like I literally, and wow. I, and I, I, I mean, I do it digitally now too, but you know, yeah. I, I think the thing to also really remember here is that it is a numbers game. And what I mean by that is that the person that's the first choice today and gets the job and offer and then is booked and not available, well, guess what? They don't get to be the first choice for the audition that's three days later. And the person that was the second choice becomes the first choice and on and on and so mm-hmm. forth. And so that's why I think it's so important for actors also to not get discouraged when they don't book the job because eventually the numbers are going to work out in your favor. Just keep throwing your name in the hat for things that you want to be considered for and feel right for, and eventually your number does get drawn. And I I mean, because of confidentiality, I'm not going to sit here and spew out names for you, but what I can tell you is that Tony Award winners have been the second, third, fourth, and fifth choice for a role, and they come in and they they end up getting it. Third choice books the job and wins a Tony Award for it. No doubt. I'd say wow. the there's time. a huge percentage of people in Broadway shows and in my big regional shows who were not the first choice. Because you know what happens is you get to the day of finals 
and you're sort of moving your pictures around and you're everybody's trying to figure out the right combination and you're done and everybody like puts their coats on and they're all self-congratulatory <laughs> but as the casting director you're the one who's like still looking it's the and second third choice you Mara. continue to walk around but this you're like hold on hold favor. on hold on you know how we know that Jane Smith is getting married in two weeks and we said that that conflict was okay? So that means we're spending a lot of money to get the understudy ready, get her costumes, but now you have a swing who has to go on for the understudy for two solid weeks and there's a quick change here and on and on and on. And now somebody who doesn't have a job, now that person's not really viable anymore, say that right. swing or that ensemble person. So you take them out and you pull a picture out and you're like, remember this person who you dismissed on day mm -hmm. one? Mm -hmm. They're much more youthful to us mm -hmm. now. Wow. That person wasn't even in the callback right. process. All the so time. So wow. that's why I'm like, I never tell anybody that it's over yeah. until opening night. <laughs> yeah. I just don't do it. Oh, man. How many people will we replace in rehearsals? <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. Is that something oh. that's happened? Oh, it's my worst nightmare. Yes. And it, unfortunately, what it does were we happen. thinking? Yeah. It does we got to replace this person. Yeah. Right now. This is doesn't happen as often if a team is with you in person, during your process. Which, in sure. Person. Doesn't happen all that often anymore. Yeah. Do you get an opportunity with some of the people that you have? Dated as let them cook for three years and come back to this. Do you have an opportunity to kind of, when you get to make that call and say, just so you know, I've been waiting for this moment to tell you, you've got this job. I, and I, I bring this up because I had, a, I had a moment with that with Craig Burns, who came up to me at a bar one night and I had booked, I think it was Aida or something on Broadway and, and had been auditioning for lots of things, right? And he said, I'm just so happy to see you ready to do this and to be able to do that. Do you get to have those moments and, and connect with these actors in that way? Yes. I usually have them on opening night. Like yeah. opening night is when I like want to relive everybody's audition process with them. So you get to the party and you're kind of like, oh my God, here's what happened at your audition. You oh, know? and do you kind of get clue them into some of the insight they wouldn't know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would never speak of anything that I shouldn't be speaking of, but to say like... To humanize it for them. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, really yeah. nice. And people, I think, know when you're rooting for them, when you help them. A lot of times it's us doing work sessions with people and yes. getting them ready for their final callbacks or... So we kind of know what they've overcome, you know? Um, have you found... And I, you probably won't want to name names or maybe shouldn't name names, but... Have you been in situations with a creative team or one particular director or whoever who you, who has been, in your opinion, made it very, very difficult to, to figure oh, yes. it out? Of course. <laughs> and that's kind of, again, where we really show our value to the production of being able to keep all the wheels on the wagon when yeah. the wheels keep falling off. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, casting directors are both artistic and administrative, right? We have mm. two parts of our brain that we use. At all times, you know, you ask a producer what a casting director is good for, and you ask a director what a casting director is good for, and you'll get two different answers. Wow. And, you know, we do work for both. And so we are constantly navigating the personalities of and the requests of, 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 both, of both parties. And sometimes we do get caught in the middle. Yeah. yeah. And that's not fun. Uh, but I have, you know, had the privilege of working with some of the same producers and directors on multiple projects now. And I think the reason why I continue to work with them is because we have figured out that, like, that perfect sweet spot of making sure that everyone feels heard, everyone feels respected, mm -hmm. 
and that at the end of the day, the right people are getting hired. But we have to earn our way into that as well. Oh, man. Mm. You know, there's no, if I'm with a brand new team, I keep my mouth shut until I'm asked, until I really have something to say. Or, you know, I think what collaborative teams who are a little more experienced maybe bring to the table is that they know that I'm going to have more information about an actor than, than than they are. So when somebody says, ugh, I heard he was a pain in the neck in the ensemble dressing room at Spamalot, mm. maybe I get to say, hold up, this is what I know about this person. I still work you know? with that stage manager. <laughs> yeah, right, totally. but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, you, you do without ever saying anything that, you should, you know, that is private or, you know, sure. we, but also like, I know this person's body of work. I know that there's more there. We shouldn't, we need to bring him back with some adjustments or, you know, everybody's very like, like quick to be like, no, 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 no. And you're mm. like, um, we're not saying, but why, but why to each person, what we're doing to the, meaning to our teams, what we're doing is going, oh, they said that's what they wanted, but they really want mm -hmm. that. Because that's what they're responding wow. to. Right. You know, Sometimes or, those things don't align. Actually, quite often they don't align, frankly. But it's also, and this I think is like the good news that should kind of also free up the actor, is that, you know, it's kind of like that Facebook um, game, like where I see a red dress and you see a yellow <laughs> yeah, dress. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the right? same dress. Like, I'm, mm -hmm. but, I'm, but, but the point is that sometimes an actor comes in and then they leave and I'm like, right? I mm -hmm. killed that. That's mm -hmm. prison so spot on. And the director's like, yeah, I know you love her, but I don't get it. And it's like, how are you not seeing yeah. what I just saw? How are you not being moved by that? But what's great about it is that because you're never going to be able to please all of the people all of the time, that really thinking about what it is that we're looking for is kind of useless. Like mm -hmm. now knowing that information, all you have to do is like do you. Yeah. Like make your choices. Tell a great story because you don't know how people are going to react. Nobody's seeing anything through the same eyes. So it's not possible. I can't even remember the last time I had an, an, like an, uh, a unanimous Every single person behind the table wanting the same people. So rare. Never happens. Yeah. And again, that's our job to kind right. of balance all of that and make sure that everyone you know has spoken and feels heard and uh, and that again, like everyone feels good about the decisions that are being made. Um, and get the job done. And get the get, job yeah. done. Get the viable show up on its feet. Yeah. yeah. Not to be too but, precious about it. Mm, like, I will say it. It is one of the coolest mm. parts of our jobs when we are given permission to, which is to show our creative teams out of the box ideas, right? I really, I mean, some of my some of my proudest moments as a casting director are those moments where I, I get to show somebody who has a body of work that the team just it doesn't think is right for the show. But I think, and especially in this day and age in 2022, when we're trying so hard to break the paradigm of like stereotypical storytelling, um, I really love challenging that. And I always come back to, I think it's Steve Jobs that says, sometimes people don't know what they want until you put it in front of them. Uh -huh. And Steve Jobs definitely made billions of dollars doing that, teaching us that we needed iPhones and iPads and iTunes. Mm -hmm. And so I, I can't say that like some of the best parts of our jobs are, are getting to kind of think of all the different ways a story could be told. And you especially, you know, getting to do that like in the original cast of a brand new musical, something like Hadestown, for example, 
where, I mean, what, it's a Greek myth. Like, I mean, how, how do you want to tell this? Like, we've seen it the Greek myth way for thousands of years. I don't think that's going to be really, like, receptive to a, to a modern audience. And so, I mean, we, we saw different genders, different races, different ages for virtually every role in that show. And we still continue to as we do the replacements for it, which, of course, is a double-edged sword as a casting director because it means that, like, anything's possible, which means that, oh, God, I've got to consider everything. Yeah. Whereas it, it's not like the old age of, like, you know, oh, I'm looking for a five foot two like, brunette soprano. Like, right. Now with casting, I mean, like, we're, we're really trying to break that. Uh, and I love it, but of course it, it does cause me a lot of stress as Takes well. Takes more of that bandwidth. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, it's we, it's our job yeah. to do that. What, uh, you just mentioned that some of your proudest moments, can you give me an example of one of yeah. your proudest moments in your, you, both of your careers are simply incredible. You The amount of material that you've worked on and is incredible. What's been a moment that, that you just felt so proud of, Mary? Oh my gosh, I feel like I've had so many. Um, m- my proudest moments are usually when someone, when you, when I've seen somebody grow into something, and like what Benton said, or what what you said, mm. when somebody says, "I'm so glad that you're ready now." Mm. Um, the one of the people who's out on the "Ain't Too Proud" tour um, came in for something a couple years ago for "Ain't Too Proud," didn't get the job, left. Um, we, we had a meeting afterwards about how we were going to move forward with this part. And we got a call when we were in that meeting saying that someone had given notice. So I thought, oh, now the person who just auditioned is more right. Mm. Um, and we knew that he could dance and we knew that he could sing, but he just wasn't, it wasn't the right track for him. And, um, I gave him probably six completely different characters to learn that night. Mm. Um, He came in, he um, split his pants during the uh, work session, during the dance call. I mean, this was like, we had him, and by the way, it was only two other people that were coming in and auditioning, and for them it wasn't new material, but for him it was. and when he walked out so that we could clear the room when the team was coming in and um, I walked out to go to the restroom and he was on his knees praying. And so I tried to like give him a second and I tapped him on the shoulder and I was like, you okay? He's like, I just really want to be perfect. And I was like, oh. yeah, mm. perfect is going to be a disaster. <laughs> like you don't need to be perfect. Nobody in that room is interested in that, like in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Um, everybody knows that you just got this material. It's the same people who saw you yesterday on different material. You wouldn't be here if there was no love for you. So mm. you need to just like let go of that perfect thing because it's not a thing. Like it's not a possible thing. And he came. Um, he came in, and you know when he left, um, Des was like slam dunk. There we go. And. You know, we don't get to tell the actors a lot of times what their story is or what we're so proud of or why we're so proud of them because they have agents, a lot of them. And literally that night, I'm at dinner and I'm telling somebody the story of this audition and that person walks up. We were at Jacob's Pickles. I'll never forget it. Oh, yeah. He walked up. He was clearly waiting for somebody. And um, 
I saw him and he just like, I was like, oh my God. And he like just burst into tears and he was like, the idea that I didn't have to be perfect, like I just heard your voice in my head over and over and over again and it just completely freed me up. And I'm very proud of that moment because I didn't, I never know if I'm really saying the right thing. Like truly my superpower is sounding really definite when I don't know what the I'm talking about. (laughs) I mean, that's life, right? But yeah, yeah, but that was a really proud moment for me. Um, Honestly, just waiting for people, just knowing that you're waiting for somebody to be right for something and then it happens. Like I feel proud when I get the right feeling about somebody and I was right. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it doesn't happen like for a year or two years or three years. And that kind of patience is, um, you know, sometimes you're like, oh, that person's not even in the business anymore. I'm like, really? Because they were so good. Mm -hmm. Did they think it was going to happen overnight? Or that's a bummer. Perseverance is the other skill set. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just talent. That was really beautiful, Mary. Thanks. (laughs) You say what you're proud of now. Um, (laughs) I know uh, you have a good story, Ben. A little different. Um, first thing that comes to mind is the original casting for Pippin, the revival, the 2013 revival, Diane Paulus, Stephen Schwartz. Uh, it was a, a big deal for me personally because um, I've been a massive Stephen Schwartz fan my whole life. Uh, and getting to be in a room with him working on a, a new production of his was definitely like a pinch me moment mm-hmm. for me that I'll never forget. He played some of the callbacks like at the piano oh, because we damn. changed the keys of many of the songs on the spot. And so he just asked the accompanist just to sit behind and Stephen Schwartz accompanied these people. It was really brilliant. Anyway, uh, so this, the, the, the moment I remember uh, kind of most vividly is the final callback for the role of leading player. And of course, uh, most people, your listeners probably know that Bettina Miller ended up playing it. She won the Tony Award for it. And of course, it really catapulted her career Mm -hmm. uh, into what she is today. Uh, And like so many uh, productions now do, uh, 2013, I think that Diane was a little bit ahead on this and that she really wanted to turn that revival on its head and, and bring something new to it. And so we were playing around with the gender age, the human that would play the leading player. And so she said to my business partner and I, Duncan, you know, just go out there and find me the best version of just every kind of version it could be. And, and let's, let's see him. And it was a lot of fun and really uh, overwhelming because you could play that role so many different ways. And so at the final callbacks for it, I can't say their names, but I can just tell you that there it was four humans that were there. Patina was one of them. Why do I feel like I know and, who these humans are? I well, feel like, well, we all do know who these humans let, are because the other like, the other three people are, are incredibly successful, wonderful people that have right. incredible careers, two of which have Tony Awards as well. And uh, the final callback was having those four humans, two of which were male identifying, two of which were female identifying. Uh, perform the role all incredibly different with a very different point of view and tactic in different keys with different choreography that actually just looked good on their bodies because they were actually like not all the same body type at all either. And watching those four incredible artists back to back come in and perform the leading player material 
as Stephen Schwartz played the piano and Chet Walker, who just yeah. passed away this past week, the, the Fosse choreographer, uh, put those, those iconic steps on their body uh, and just in, really gave them the time to marinate in it. I mean, they each had, honestly, they each had probably like six-hour work sessions uh, pr- leading up to this final callback where they taught them all of right track, the number right track, everything from singing, dancing, and acting. They wanted to just, because that, they decided was kind of the number that if they could do this, then they could do anything. And so we watched four back-to-back right tracks. And they left the room, and it was not unanimous in terms of, because they were just, they were all wonderful. And there were so many different ways that we could have told that story. And ultimately, of course, we did go with Patina, and she was incredible in it. Worked out. Yeah, yeah. it worked out. <laughs> As it turns out. Uh, but that, I mean, yeah, that was just kind of all of uh, everything I love about musical theater, uh, kind of all in one room, getting just to see how differently material and words hang differently on different people is so powerful to watch. Um, And I keep thinking about it all the time. I love that. We wind up, I think our proudest moments come when you really go to the mat for somebody. Mm. You know, when everybody in the room is saying no and you're like, I'm I'm gonna dig in here. I mean, again, I think you're wrong. I think Mary and I probably, you know, can't say names, but I'm sure that there are probably some really iconic performances that we have worked on uh, that were not the actual like no one thought the creative team was not gung ho about it. They're like, OK, well, this is what we're going to do because this is a this is rehearsal starts tomorrow. Right. This is right. a numbers game. And this is who is the best option, I guess, to do this. And then they go into rehearsal and then they soar. And now there are children across the world that listen to those cast recordings every day and can't imagine mm. it being performed any other way. And we're like, oh, if you only knew. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I think also that's that's the thing that, you know, when you look back, like, historically, you're like, oh, I remember that guy's audition. That was a disaster. <laughs> you know what I mean? And yet you sort of watch See this whole process. Now. and Because, you know, some people don't test well. You know, I feel like I'm pretty smart, but I'm a terrible test taker. Some people are horrible at auditions, but are they really not going to, like, get a chance to, like, create this part because they couldn't show it in here? It's like it's really hard because you have to do it some way. Yeah. you got to figure it out. It's a really imperfect you know? yeah. process. But it's such an imperfect process. Yeah. We know that. We know oh, that yeah. auditioning is an imperfect process, but unfortunately no one's come up with a better one yet, and so we're <laughs> going to keep doing it. But yes, I mean, I, I, I can, I think we, the, the uh, point of view that we get as casting directors of just watching people audition over and over and over again is that, you know, we begin to see actors' strengths and weaknesses, right? And we are really able to discuss them and talk about them because people do come in sometimes and hit it out of the park. But other times people that can hit it out of the park, that just wasn't their day. And to have someone like us in the room that really has our eye on that and have seen them a million times in this really like high stressful situation we can speak to that and i can tell you that so many times it it does actually push it over to the finish line and like okay well actually we now have a better idea of you know what they're capable of and you know we are going to move forward with them you need us in the room yeah and that's a yes moment (laughs) for sure for you uh, I can't keep you guys here any longer. I want to talk to you for the rest of my life, um, but I do have to let you <laughs> no, go you cast things. I do. Uh, I have to go let you go cast things. Um, Mary, I just want to ask you, you, you have a book. 
I do have a book. Can you tell us about it? Did I tell you that? No, I heard about it on the streets. I didn't know you had a book, Mary. That's crazy because it's not published yet. Tell us about your um, book. Did we, did, did we just break the news here? So on you kind of did, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm so excited wow. that somebody's talking about it. Um, I'm actually going to start talking about it very publicly in about a month on some different shows. Okay. Um, it's called From Craft to Career, um, Casting Director's Guide for the Actor. And really the sole purpose of it is to demystify the casting process. My career started in television and in film. Um, and I feel like actors, I, I started realizing like as, as I, you know, cast in different, um, areas and different genres that, you know, there was so much of course that actors can't control, but I felt like there's so much that they can control. They just don't know that they can control it. Well, they're I trying to control the them. wrong things. Yeah. yeah. And so I sort of break down like who is in the room and what the casting process is for television series, for film, and for theater. And I talk a lot about choosing where you're going to live and what your day jobs should be and what what kind of networking is truly effective and what's a whole load of crap and how to sort of stay current, um, a, especially in a world where I think a lot of people get representation and then kind of rest on their laurels. But I just feel mm. like, you know, mm. there are a lot of actors who maybe aren't as talented as you, but they work harder and they're making headway because they know things that you don't. So I thought I should write it all down. And that's what I did. So um, Bloomsbury, Methuen for Bloomsbury is, is, um, is publishing the book and it's going to come out in the UK in March and it's going to come out here in June. That's I cannot wait to read that. Congratulations. I'm so excited. Very Thank exciting. you. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Appreciate that. That was so nice of you to bring it up. Yeah. Well, listen, now you've, you've got the hard copy, <laughs> tangible yeah. version of all the things we've learned here today and more. Um, what's, so. uh, what are the projects you're working on right now, Ben? Oh gosh, so many. What can I talk about? Um, oh yeah, well, you can't talk about a lot of yeah, things. Yeah, so many it's things we can't talk about because it's secrecy. not public information yet. But what I can talk about is uh, Life of Pi. Life of Pi, a play on the West End that uh -huh. won the Olivier this past year for Best Play. Uh, that has um, some of the same designers that designed the beautiful puppets for War Horse. If, mm -hmm. if people remember that from back, I think 2010 mm -hmm. at Lincoln Center. Uh, so this uh, production is going to ART next month, and it'll be on Broadway at the Schoenfeld uh, starting in March. Super excited about that. I have a new musical called Cowboy Bob that is so much fun that's directed by my friend Annie Tipp uh, that's going to have its world premiere at the Alley in the spring uh, based on a real-life uh, woman who in the uh, 80s and 90s, she successfully robbed a like a dozen banks without being caught over many, many years. Good for her. And one of the main reasons was that everyone was looking for a man because she disguised herself as a man every time she went into the banks. And so she was right, never Cowboy on Bob. the suspect list. And so it's a musical from her perspective. It's so good. Can't wait. The music is really fun. Um, That's really cool. And, uh, oh, well, we just uh, had a premiere of uh, a new Bollywood musical called Come Fall in Love at the Old Globe that I think we'll see uh, again soon. And also a really great musical called Goddess uh, that's based on an East African myth. Uh, Amber Iman. Yep, Amber Iman yeah. is the star of, directed by Sahim Ali. 
uh, written by uh, Jocelyn Bio and was at Berkeley, right? Michael Thruber wrote the music. Yeah, world premiere just happened at Berkeley, and the next out of town tryout of that will be uh, in the spring at the Shakespeare Theater in D.C. Uh, it is electrifying. Amber Iman, just oh my God. wait. I mean, forget it. Yeah. All right, the goddess is coming. Thank you guys so much for sharing Thanks, your time man. and your your All spirit right. and your knowledge with us, and and go forth and do the good work that you're doing. And and people listening, they're your friends. They like you. <laughs> you like me. <laughs> they really like you. Oh, I like you. Thanks uh, for having thanks, us. Ben. Yes, thank you guys so much. That was really fun. Bye. 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 Well, I could have talked to them for the rest of time. I hope that that put uh, a little bit more knowledge in your noodle for all of my actor friends out there on any level. Uh, I don't think we need to be afeard of the exotic casting director so much. They're really incredible people. They're such an artistry and such an incredible uh, administrative power that they possess to get the things done that they do, things that I didn't know about. So I want to say thank you so much to Mary Sugarman and Benton Whitley for joining us here on the Broadway cast. If you love our show, you've got to subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can rate us, review us, share us with your friends, and by all means, do follow us on social media at the Broadway cast. Follow me, Ben Cameron, at Ben Does Broadway, and you can support us on Patreon and get some exclusive behind-the-scenes only made for you, all about you content uh, as part of our Patreon family. So click the link in the liner notes and you can become part of that. Until we demystify more of this crazy, beautiful Broadway world that we love so much, I am and remain your Broadway buddy, Ben Cameron, saying, have a great show. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Are you self-conscious about your smile due to stains? Have you ever wished that you had a whiter and brighter smile? Smile Actives is a safe and affordable alternative to expensive whitening procedures. You simply add Smile Actives gel to your toothpaste every time you brush your teeth, making it the easiest teeth whitening solution out there. In a clinical trial, Smile Actives users reported up to five shades whiter on average, all within seven days. No change to your routine, no extra time. Right now, they are running a buy one, get one offer. Hurry to smileactives.com iHeart today to receive this special offer with free shipping and handling.